Would you take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Acts chapter 20, verse 28. We're going to start with this one verse. It says, watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. This verse is really packed with a lot of truth. As a pastor, my job is to keep watch, and every spiritual leader is to keep watch over themselves and over their flock. Can I tell you that as a mom and dad, that you are to keep watch over yourself and over your family? Not just you, but over your family as well. What flock are you to care for? You're to care for the flock that the Holy Spirit has entrusted to you. The one that the Holy Spirit has made you an overseer of. So if God has made you an overseer, as it were, in the church, and you're responsible for an area of the ministry, you don't get to negate your responsibility. You don't get to step aside from your responsibility. You have a responsibility before God to care for and to watch over and to shepherd that flock. If you're a business person and you own a business, you are responsible before God to shepherd over that flock. Whatever size flock that is, however many families or men work for you, as an overseer, God has placed you in that position of authority in the home. Here again, this is a really important one. In the home, you are the shepherd of that home. Moms and dads, it's your responsibility to, to shepherd your children, to watch over them, to lead them, and to look out for their well-being. When you've been placed in a position like that, you've been given divine authority by God. You're not in that position by chance. Sometimes people look at themselves and they think that they're somewhere by chance. We're not in positions of leadership or authority by chance. God has specifically designed those children that are in your home. He's designed and entrusted them to your care, your responsibility. For those of us who are in spiritual leadership, we're not here by chance. God has appointed. He's placed people in certain positions of authority. He's granted them authority. The last phrase is really sobering reminder to me of how precious the church is that I've been entrusted with. He says that this flock was purchased with his own blood. It's with the blood of Jesus that the church was purchased. I'm setting us up to understand the message. Years ago, a guy contacted me about the possibility of using our church building on an off night for a meeting he wanted to do with sexual offenders. He was a well-known community leader in the county here, and it was a mandatory meeting for guys that they had to attend. These guys were not necessarily seeking help to get free or to change their lives. The meetings were simply mandatory as a condition of their parole. He called me and talked to me. We thought about it a little bit. So when I informed him that we would not be opening up our building to him, he thought he was going to lecture me. And <laughs> Tell me about what it means to be a Christian and stuff like that. My response began with, listen here, pal. 
if I ever respond to you with listen here, pal, I don't think I've ever said that to any of you here, okay? But if my response begins with listen here, pal, it's probably not gonna go real well, okay? <laughs> listen here, pal. My responsibility is not to please everybody. My responsibility was to look out for the flock that God had entrusted to me. My responsibility was look out for the safety and the security of women and children and, and to protect them. Amen. Now imagine this. Imagine if a group of witches or Satanists decided to come into your home. They decided we're going to move into your business or they want to come into the church building and begin to do their rituals. Would you allow that? No. Like some of you are sitting around thinking, well, maybe, maybe we should. I don't know. Is this a trick question, Pastor? No, it's not a trick question. You don't allow that. You cast them out, both spiritually and physically. You do not allow certain things. Why? Because it's your domain. God has given us dominion. He's given us power. He's given us authority. He says to go and, and take dominion over the earth. And so it's your authority. You've been given authority by God to say what stays and what goes in your life and in your area of influence. Now I'm preaching to somebody. You've got to get this. Well, if they want to move into my living room and do it, no, absolutely not. You don't allow that. There is no way under the sun. And sometimes we get people who are just kind of curious. Well, well, should I let them? Should I allow that in my life? No, God told you to take dominion, to take authority. And so you've been granted divine authority by God. One of the most dangerous things that anyone can allow into their life, into their home, into their family, into their business is rebellion. Now listen to this. Just so that you know, our message is entitled Rooting Rebellion Out of Your Life. We want to get any forms of rebellion that are in our hearts, that are in our minds, that have a place in our sphere of authority, you want to root those things out of your life. Just so you know, God did not put up with it in his house. Amen. When Satan rebelled against God, yep. he and one third of the angels were cast out. God did not negotiate, well, Satan, Lucifer, you are really good looking. I think we'll let you. He did not negotiate. Or compromise with him. He refused to allow it and simply cast him out. When you think of your own life, I hope that you will deal with rebellion in your heart and in your life in the very same way. This has no place in my life. This has no place in my home. This has no place in my family. Jude verse 5 says, although you already know all this, I want to remind you that the Lord at one time delivered his people out of Egypt but later destroyed those who did not believe. Mm -hmm. And the angels who did not keep their positions of authority but abandoned their proper dwelling, these he has kept in darkness, bound with everlasting chains for judgment on the great day. Did you hear that? 
It says that the angels who did not keep their positions of authority but abandoned their proper dwelling, these he's kept in darkness, bound with everlasting chains for judgments on that great day. Now, the dictionary defines rebellion as an act of violent or open resistance to an established government or ruler. The action or process of resisting authority. Some synonyms, synonyms, if I can get it out, would be a revolt, an insurrection, a mutiny, defiance, disobedience, insubordination, subversion. Can I tell you what that sounds a lot like? That sounds a lot like man's flesh. Your flesh revolts against the authority of God in your life. Your flesh wants to well up against the authority and against the boundaries that God establishes as right and just in your life. Inside of us at times, there is an internal war between our spirit and our sinful nature, that old man. It is constantly trying to resist God's rule, his authority in the life of mankind. Rebellion or a rebellious spirit is not something to be played with or tolerated. Some people wink at it or excuse it. Some people celebrate it in their own lives and the lives of those around them, but God does not. There are some people who just, their natural tendency, it's like they like the persona of being a rebel. They like that. And sometimes they'll celebrate it. You'll see them celebrating that in their children. They'll celebrate that. They'll think that that's a good thing. Let me tell you. When I fight authority, anybody know that song? What happens? When I fight authority, anybody know that song? Authority always wins. That old song. It's not a church song. Some of you are thinking back to your Sunday school days. Did anyone know who sang that? Was it Bruce Springsteen? John Cougar Mellencamp. When I fight authority, Scott's going to Google it. He's going to fact check it. Thank God for Pastor Scott. He's going to fact check it here on the front. I've been doing it since I was a young kid. And when I fight authority, authority always wins. Let me tell you something. I want you to understand this. God is gracious and merciful. But you need to understand clearly. All rebellion will one day be utterly crushed. Rebellion, it will ultimately be defeated. Now, some people, as I said, some people wink at it. They celebrate it in their lives and the lives of others, but God doesn't. In fact, it's in opposition. Rebellion is in opposition to God. For he's the God of order. Let me throw out this song. Remember this old hymn? Where it's trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Trust and obedience are the keys to having peace with God. To having a relationship to God. To growing in God. Rebellion is just the very opposite of trusting and obeying God. They said God requires obedience and submission to his authority. If you want to live in his kingdom, I'm not sure why that's so hard for some people to understand 
and recognize that God requires submission to his authority. He requires trust in him. We see that in the, in the very beginning, in the very beginning, Adam and Eve are created and placed in the perfect, the perfect vacation spot. Everything they had need for was supplied for them. They lacked nothing, nothing. But the serpent started speaking into their minds and in their hearts, and they begin to question the goodness of the Lord. And so we find that as a result of their rebellion, God said, you can have anything you want here. This is all for your enjoyment. Any need that you have, any need that you have is already supplied. It's already here. All I ask of you is don't eat of this tree. You can have any other fruit. You want bananas? I'm going to give you some bananas. You want apricots? I'm going to give you some apricots. You want whatever you want, I'm going to give you and provide for you. I just ask that you don't eat from this one tree. Then Satan comes in and he deceives. Here's the thing. When you listen to the enemy, if you listen to him, whenever the enemy comes to speak in your heart, you need to shut off his voice. We're not talking. You and I are not on a talking basis. I'm not listening. I don't care what you have to say. That's what you need, to, that's what you need to, to do because if you're not careful, the enemy comes and he begins to speak lies into your heart. He breathes things into you and you start to question the goodness of the Lord. Will God really take care of me? Will God really meet my need? And so in this act of rebellion, whenever they sin, what does God do concerning the garden? Anyone remember? He kicks them out. They were cast out. They could not live in rebellion against God and abide in the garden. He does not allow rebellion in his house. Listen to what it says in Psalms 95. The psalmist wrote, Do not harden your hearts as you did at Marlborough, as you did that day at Massa in the wilderness. When your ancestors tested me, they tried me. Though they had seen what I did for 40 years, I was angry with that generation. I said, they are a people whose hearts go astray. They have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. You know, I think about a lot of times you can see rebellion starting in a child. Did you ever notice that? You ever notice there's certain kids that if you grew up in a neighborhood uh, or in a family, there are certain kids that from the very beginning of their lives, I mean, you know, it's like first grade, they're like getting in trouble. Kindergarten, they're getting in trouble. Preschool, they're the one beating up the other little kids. So sometimes there's this rebellion that comes up in a person, and if it's not dealt with, well, they may cause mom and dad a lot of heartaches, but every person who I've seen has that type of spirit, I've seen God allow things to crush them. If you want a hard life, if you want your kids to have a hard life, encourage or allow them to have a rebellious spirit. Just go ahead. Do not discipline them. Don't correct them. My dad used to say, when I'd say the devil made me do it, he said he'd beat the devil out of me. Okay? Uh, so 
Don't make them come under authority. Teach them not to submit to anybody. Teach them to have a hard, you know, no one's going to break you. No one's going to teach you. I'm going to tell you what, the world will crush them. And it'll show up in things like their marriages. It'll show up in things like their families. It'll show up in all kinds of areas where they will be vulnerable. And it'll cause them incredible amounts of pain and sorrow and suffering. And so whenever God tries to teach us to submit ourselves to God, to submit ourselves to authority, why is he's doing that? He's doing that so that it'll go well with us. So that we'd be blessed and prosperous. So that we won't have to experience so many of the pains. And and I want you to think about this. The times that you rebelled against God. The times that you rebelled against the authority he established. How did that work out most of those times? Not too good. Yeah, you get your way. You do what you want. But at what cost to the individual? Why does God want us to root out rebellion? Because rebellion stands in opposition to two characteristics that every believer must possess. To be a follower of Jesus, there's two things that you really need. You need obedience and you need faith. Many people rebel against God, his rule, his authority, because they don't have faith that God will take care of them if they do things his way. They don't think it'll work out. They don't think that God will meet their needs. And so somehow they have to step up and and they have to do something. They have to take control of the situation. They have to make something happen instead of trusting that God is over all and he is at work in your life. The Bible says that rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. When Saul had the kingdom taken away from him by God, it was in response to his rebellion. He clearly knew what God had said, but he was going to do what he wanted. What arrogance. There's some of you in this room who you know clearly what God has said. You know he's told you no. And you act like you didn't hear. You can hear. You can hear. You know he told you no. You know he told you not to go that way. You know he told you to do this or to not do that. It's blatant arrogance against God when you disobey him, when you rebel against him. It's the height of arrogance. It's the height of disrespect to God that you say he speaks to you and you act like you can't hear. And I know I'm talking to somebody. You know, no, pastor, I'm not being arrogant. I wasn't sure if he really said that. That's baloney. You know he's told you no. You know he's put his foot down, and you're going to fight against him. You're going to resist him. Let me tell you, it's going to go hard for you. When we resist the Holy Spirit, when we resist him, when we fight against him, you will not escape the consequences of rebellion against God. There's no way to escape those consequences. You can be obedient in 50 things, but you you say, Pastor, and you give me the list of all the things that you are doing in obedience to God. You, you tell me, Pastor, you know, I, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, and I'm doing this. Surely God's okay with me not listening to what he says about this part. No, he's not. Just so you know, if you were wondering if God's okay with it, I have a message for you. He said no. Knock it off. <laughs> Look to the person next to you and say, I, I, I don't know who he's talking to. I'm glad it's not me. 
He said, knock it off. What arrogance for Saul to have no regard for God's word or his instruction. In 1 Samuel chapter 15 was the sacrifices. It's the attitude of regard. You know, David did worse things than Saul did. David, like, slept with another dude's wife. He covers it up. He kills him. But there was an arrogance about Saul. Something about his spirit. Something about his heart. Even though if we compare, if you and I are saying, I would rather you not kill me and take my wife. I'm just saying, if I'm Uriah. We look at what Saul did. But God saw, God saw, S-A-W, Saul, S-A-U-L's heart. God saw Saul's heart. There was something about an arrogance in his spirit that I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to do what I want. If that's you, please, please, I plead with you. Change your attitude. Change your heart. Because God took the kingdom away from Saul. He ripped it out of his hands. But Samuel replied, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings or sacrifice as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination, and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. You see, rebellion and arrogance go together. Rebellion and arrogance. What's arrogance? Pride. It's pride. What's the word say about pride? God opposes the proud. So whenever you allow pride or I allow pride into my heart, and pride is the driving force, actually I make myself an enemy of God. I set myself up in opposition against him. I line up again on the other side of the line against him, opposing him. Do you think I can really, truly, do you think I can really oppose God and come out okay? Do you think that, that, that you can win when you oppose God and you set yourself up as an enemy of God? But when we allow pride in our hearts, that's what we do. Oftentimes, rebellion is revealed in one's interactions with authority. Oftentimes, rebellion is revealed in one's interactions with authority. Anytime someone says no to you, what does it do? It hurts our pride. But isn't our pride, isn't that one of the things that God's trying to put to death? Isn't that one of the acts of the sinful nature? You know, isn't that one of the the things of our flesh that's, that needs to become less and less in our lives, less prevalent in our lives. In Romans 13, 1, it says, Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. You hear that? What did Adam and Eve do in the garden? They questioned the goodness of the Lord. So consequently, they pushed the envelope because God says you can have anything you want. Enjoy it all. Enjoy it all. You can have it all. Just don't eat of this one tree. You can have anything you want here. 
Just don't do that. But what does that bring out in a rebellious person? When you say no, when you say no to a rebellious person, that's the very thing that they want. For some of us, that was our old life. That's who we used to be. Whenever you tell me no, I want it more. I have to have it now. And that's how it was with Adam and Eve. Notice it says, if you do that, you're going to bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from the fear of the one in authority? Then do what's right and you'll be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant for your bad time. Is that what it says? No. It says for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid for rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it's necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of the possibility of possible punishment, but also as a matter of confidence. There's another verse in Hebrews. It says, the, the NIV says it this way, have confidence in your leaders for our teenagers. But mom and dad say no. You think, ah, they're just trying to keep me from having a good time. It's easy for me as a pastor to teach about the teenagers because, like, you'll, you'll receive, yeah, 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 those teenagers, yeah, yeah, pastor did good. But what about I say to you, come under the authority that God's established in your life, your boss, God's placed them there. Well, you don't understand, pastor. You start making up excuses why God's word doesn't apply to you. Isn't that what we do? We start making excuses. Well, I'm not a teenager anymore, so somehow God's word doesn't apply to me. And we can clearly see with our teenagers, we can see that when we apply this scripture, have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would not be a benefit to you. Listen to the, the King James. Obey them that have rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, for they must give an account that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. It's easy for us to say to the teenagers, hey, you guys need to submit to authority. You need to come under authority. You need to make your parents' job easy. Why do you have to be a hardhead? Well, I'm talking to some parents. Dude, that's what you were, right? That's what we used to be. But God is at work in our lives. He's changing us. He's sanctifying us. If you and I don't root rebellion out of our lives, if we don't root it out, it's going to keep coming up in different places. Can I say this to you? I have flower beds or plantings around my house. I put down the weed barriers. I put that down. I fill it up with mulch. Yet those, there's certain weeds that start, they, they just keep coming back. You know what I mean? And so I have to continually, I have, even though I have barriers down, even though I have, I have a lot of mulch, I do new mulch every spring, all of that, I have to continually watch over my garden, my area. It's, it's my responsibility. It's mine. 
if I don't tend to it and I go away for a couple weeks and I don't pull the weeds, what will happen is those things start taking root and my place looks junky to take over. In your life, if you don't continually bring yourself under the obedience and submission to God's authority in your life, before you know it, other things will take over. And before you know it, they'll start taking root in your life. Things that don't belong there, things that God has already set you free from, they're going to try to come back. Why don't you stand with me? I want to pray for you. Father, I thank you today for the privilege. I thank you for the privilege that we have in this house to hear the word of the Lord. So, Lord, as we hear your word, I thank you that submission to God, refusing to allow rebellion in our heart is actually spiritual warfare. The Bible says, submit yourselves to God, resist the devil. And he will flee from you. And so, Lord, as we submit ourselves to your authority, we're participating in spiritual warfare. We're actively engaged in spiritual warfare. And the enemy flees from us because we are safe and secure under your banner. Father, I pray that your people would allow the word of God to sink deep into their hearts and allow it to accomplish the purpose for which it was sent. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.